pray. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us together this day and every day that we come together, Father God, that we can learn more about you and who you are and who we are in you, Father God. I just pray that my mouth is open to say the things that you would have me say, Father God, not that I'm not responsible for my own words. <laughs> I just want ears to be open and for someone to get something out of this that would be wonderful. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. It's so awesome how Holy Spirit, like, the songs and, like, the testimony and, like, what Kalani said, it all ties into my sermon, actually, which, have we had a yes and amen title yet? If we do, you can rename it. I don't want to be. So it seems like every Sunday you guys come and we just talk about how awesome God is. (laughs) But I think that's so awesome because I don't think we fully get it. Um... I want to talk about a few things and, like, the stuff that we talked about on Wednesday. (laughs) Hopefully it doesn't open another can of worms. But I think it's important to know who we are in Christ, what faith is. I'm going to talk a little bit about judging and just who you are, and and I'm going to talk about grace. So we know that faith, in faith, we have our salvation. That's most important, right? But I think a lot of Christians can get tripped up, and they kind of stop there. They're like, oh, I, I know I'm going to heaven. Jesus is my Lord. But he also said we can have all things, whatever you say you can have with faith. So that means nothing is impossible with God. Nothing means nothing. That's nothing. Nothing is impossible. That's just, I think it's so awesome to just wrap your head around that and just, just get that. And so with our grace, what is our responsibility? Like I said, I'm going to try to keep it in line and not, not uh, jump around. But I feel like Jesus is always the answer. He's always the answer to the question. It's so simple, yet so complex. He says he will confound the the wisdom of men, right? So we know not to look there. We just look in the wisdom of God in this book. So if man says something and you're like, oh, I'm not sure about that, this, Jesus' word, is our ultimate authority on everything. If if it conflicts with this, then we want to go back and just check that. So I want to talk about what grace is. Christianity.com defines it as, quote, God's favor toward the unworthy, and I love that actually, or God's benevolence on the undeserving. So my logic here is if I can't do anything on my own merit to, to gain grace, right, then what can I possibly do to, to potentially lose it? So to, for me, it's an accept, deny Christ situation. He loves us so absolutely wonderfully, and it's Grace has nothing to do with us, right, and everything. It's all about him and what he did and what he's still doing for us. And I'm so thankful for that because I know I'm not perfect. I mess up, but Jesus in me, he will never leave you nor forsake you. And Holy Spirit, he he said that. He gave you that guarantee. Holy Spirit in your heart is the guarantee of that. And I think that's just, it's just so awesome. But I want to talk about what is our responsibility. I think Paul said it best in Romans 6. This might be the worm, the worm time, but I can't explain it very good, so I'm going to read the whole chapter to you guys. I hope you don't mind, because he says it better than I do. He talks about the, f- the free gift of grace, right? I can't do it. All I do is accept Christ. So what is my responsibility after that, right? And he says, starting in 6.1, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died in sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many as us of us were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? 
Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, Christ Jesus, right, that in the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we should all live with him. Knowing that Christ had been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead to indeed to sin, but alive to Christ in Jesus, life to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let any sin, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey in its lust. And do not present yourselves members of instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as the being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of the righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. What then shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, that you are the one slaves who you, you obey, whether the sin of leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? And I think a lot of people don't really get that. They don't understand that someone's your master. <laughs> if you're your own master, that's being a slave to sin. That's, that's not a good thing. I want to be a slave to Christ and to righteousness because that's the best way to go. But God be thanked that through, though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart the form of doctrine to which you were delivered, and having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh, for just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanliness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have, been, you have your fruit to holiness and end everlasting life. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God to is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we obviously we are freed from sin, um, not to it. And I know like some people might un- misunderstand my message as like a hyper- grace message but to me like that's I mean I guess you can call it that if you want because his goodness like you know where sin abounds grace abounds so much more like that's how good he is he's always trying to make a way for people not he's not trying to shut you out he's not trying to block you he loves you that's why while like the song said while we were still his foe like Karina said we were spitting in his face we've all done it I've done it and he still said I love you I'm going to take your burdens as my own and make a way for you when there was no way. I just, that's so awesome. It blows my mind. So for me, Christianity is number one evangelism. We have to tell other people about God and get them saved. But a lot of it too is discipleship. Or I think, Karina, did you say on Sunday or who said sonship? Was that you? It was good, good stuff. And if you look at it that way, like you are a son and daughter of, of God. <laughs> that's just so amazing. Once you say yes to him, you are his child. You get the privilege and the honor to say that. So to me, it's getting your mind or your soul, if you'd rather, in line with what your spirit already knows because your spirit already knows all truth. 
So all you're doing is renewing your mind, getting to think right like Christ, because we know we have the mind of Christ. So 2 Corinthians 1.20, um, this one I used NIV, because I really liked it. I think I used it for my last sermon, but I'm going to do it again. This is where I kind of jump around. Anyway, so it says, oh, I'll wait for you to get there. First, 2 Corinthians 1.20, sorry. It says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes, and that's in quotations, in Christ. And so through him, the amen, quotations, is spoken by us to the glory of God. And it goes on to talk about that guarantee that I talked about, like Holy Spirit, um, that we have the victory through Christ, right? So I want to back up to um, one of my favorite, like, goodness of God verses. It's 1 Corinthians 2, 9. And I'm using New King James Version for the rest of these. Some water while you're turning. It says, but it is written. And I love that part right there. Because if you know, like, if it's in there more than once, it's good, good stuff. I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the, th the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So if you love God today, that's talking about you. That's so awesome. This yes and amen promise is for you. And thinking logically, this verse tells me that no matter how good we may think God is, or I may think God is, he is so infinitely, I don't even know if that's proper grammar, he's so much better. Like you, you can't even wrap your head around it. I don't know if we'll ever, ever realize that. And it's so awesome. And the first um, cross-reference I found is in Psalm uh, 31, and it says, Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you. And we know that just means love, who are reverent toward God, right? And worked for those who take refuge in you, in the sight of the children of mankind. And that's so awesome to me because my personal revelation on that, like, when you get a revelation from Holy Spirit, like he, he'll always confirm it in, in his word. And he does that. And it's so awesome when he does that. And he doesn't just do it for me. He does it for everyone. If you, you just ask him and listen, it's so awesome because that just confirmed to me like the goodness of God. Like he's just so unbelievably good all the time. He's absolutely good. There's nothing evil in him. Um, so I want to encourage you to with uh, Romans 8.30. This is really good stuff. So moreover whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. So he chose you. That's so awesome. Like he chose you and he would have none perish. But not only did he choose you, right? He predestined you. He also called you. So if you feel like you're not called, this verse right here, tells you, yes, yes, you are called. <laughs> you're also justified, and you're glorified. We are not only, he gets all the glory, all the honor, all the praise, yes, but it's so awesome to think about us being glorified in him. Like, what? Who are we to, to be able to do that, to say that? But he makes us worthy for that. So awesome. So Romans uh, 14, 4, this is where I kind of go back on the judgment. I feel like, um, it's just probably good to stay in your lane. I don't think, it, it makes me so sad when I see other, like, Christians beating up on other Christians, like, verbally or, or whatever. It's so important that you just 
you just do you, <laughs> you know? I just think it's important. So anyway, uh, it says, Romans 14, 4, who are you to judge another servant? And this is Paul, of course, talking to Romans. To his own master, he stands or falls. To me, that talks about accountability for ourselves, right? Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. So a lot of times, we just have to trust in God and the work that God put in that person, that even though we might not see it in the natural or outside or manifest or whatever, that if God is in there, it's he says he will be able to make him stand. We have to trust in that because you can't do it. You can't do it on your own strength. It's just it's impossible. And Romans 14, um, 10 through 13, I wanted to read to you guys. It says, but why do you judge your brother? And that would be the Christian, right, my logic. Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue confess, shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore. So important. So if you did it in the past, that's the past. But, but let's not do it anymore, right? But rather resolve this not to put a stumbling block or to call, cause a fall in our brother's way. And I was thinking about that. And I was like, I felt like it was another revelation. Like, does that mean me judging would cause a stumbling block? And I would like, uh, I would cause a fall in my brother's way? And I thought, yes, because how many times have you heard people say, oh, you know, I love Jesus, you know, he's wonderful, but those Christians, I don't want anything to do with them. Or they leave a church because of whatever. It's usually, I feel like, it's usually about judging. So if we just stop doing that, I think it would be such a better example because he tells us to love one another. That is his, the second greatest commandment, and that is the law, I feel like, we, we, the law of liberty that we're supposed to um, adhere to. So, and then I wanted to talk about, I thought it was neat. Me and my daughter were talking about it, and I was like, oh, that's really neat. I'll put it in my, <laughs> put it in here. But we were, I, don't, I can't even remember what we were talking about. doesn't matter. But the point is, there's some cultures, um, I'm not going to name names, but in their culture, like, it was their, it's what they do. They give you a gift, right? And they if you do anything wrong, they gave you this gift, right? Like, uh, we don't really do this in America. Like, well, once I give something, it's, it's theirs. They can, do, they can burn it. They can do whatever, you know, I gave it. But some cultures, like, if you did anything wrong, like, to, when you received that gift, if they deemed you unworthy of that gift in any way, they would, like, take it back. And that's so crazy to me because we know with God, and it, it says in Romans eleven twenty nine. I didn't give her that one to put up, but his gifts, his spiritual gifts are irrevocable. And so what is our greatest gift? If he doesn't take back our spiritual gifts, I, he would, why would he ever take back Jesus? Why would he ever take back his greatest gift to us? That's how much that he, he loves us. I just wanted to tell you guys that and let you <laughs> marinate on that and see what, what Holy Spirit tells you about it. I also, in my youth um, meetings, sorry, I'll pick that up. Um, sorry, Alex. I, one youth night after um, we were talking, I read these scriptures stating assurance, and they're so good, and I didn't put them up for Cassie to do more work, but I just want to run through them real quick. Um, there's 16, 
and they're just, they're just so, so good. So the first one is, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life, is not condemned, but has passed from death unto life. Should I read all the verses too? Hold on, said <laughs> John 3, 15 through 16, 36, and then 524. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand or my father's hand, it goes on to say in John 10, 27 through 29. I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God. Romans 8:35 through 39. We shall be saved from wrath through him. Romans 5, 8, 9. And that tells me too, like, if, if you're saved from, because it's already done, right? If you accept Christ and you're saved from wrath. So he's not mad at you. He's not mad at you. He'll, he'll never be mad at you. He's not angry with you. He just, he just loves you. Okay, so number five, there is no condemnation for them who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8, 1. He will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. That was Romans 14, 4. Who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless. God is faithful by whom you are called into fellowship of Christ Jesus. For 1 Corinthians 1, 8 through 9. I love, I love Wednesdays. If you guys could go again, like you should go. It's really, really good. We get into awesome stuff and one of the verses that came to mind was you know Jesus Christ is the author and finisher of our faith faith so what does that mean like he literally wrote out our faith (laughs) that just it was mind-blowing to me it was so awesome we can trust in him because he put that trust there like if that I don't know so number 10 you were sealed for the day of redemption Ephesians 430 and I love Ephesians too because it's such a good um book to read if if you're not for sure like who you are in Christ it's such a good book to read it really gets your mind right <laughs> 11 who he, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ that's Philippians 1 6 number 12 I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day 2nd Timothy 1 12 13 who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation that's in 1st Peter 1 5 and 14, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. 1 John 2, 1 through 2. 15, beloved, now we are the sons of God. 1 John 3, 2. 16, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory. Jude 24. So, and that too tells me like he's the one that's able to keep us from stumbling, right? So I just wanted to that in there but um i love you guys and that's pretty much what i have for you okay bye